It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Welcome back to this special episode of The Sprint Lane where we're talking to Harness Racing Australia Chief Executive Andrew Kelly. Hope you've enjoyed part A. Welcome back to part B. Thanks for staying with us for this episode. I found it fascinating. I hope you have too. Exploring how the Eureka came to be, how the slot holders were put together, the nervous energy that was sort of precluding that, I guess, and then how excited everyone is now that we're on the verge of launching this wonderful event on the 2nd of September at Tabcourt Park. Menangle. Still so much more to get through. There are so many announcements to come. We've already heard of some of them. Let's explore some of what we're about to experience in part B of this episode of The Sprint Lane with Harness Racing Australia Chief Executive Andrew Kelly. Yeah, this is an industry event, but the 10 slot holders are playing a really important role yeah, of taking this to the masses. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's that spiderweb effect, you know, of, of what, what happens. I think we saw signs of life of that event, the grand scale of it, and the magnitude and the entertainment value with the announcement of Birds of Tokyo um, yep. earlier this week. What, a, what a, a great announcement and, you know, and, and fantastic that we're going to have one of, the, one of the biggest bands in the country coming at our event. Well, the great thing for me is that I knew who they were, so that was <laughs> that was good. To start. I'm starting to feel like, you know, it, with uh, my youngest turning 15 on the weekend, I'm starting to feel a little longer in the tooth than I have um, <laughs> than I have previously. But um, that, that, nonetheless, that, that they w- they will be terrific. And what I really like about um, the work that's been able to do with that particular act is that not only are they well known and contemporary and good, but they're going to be involved in the event, not just doing a concert at the end of the end of the race meeting. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that I'm allowed to talk about these things and explain <laughs> that you know they'll be at the barrier You're reveal. The boss. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, so, you know, so there's a continuity yeah. of their investment in our event. Yeah. Because there's so many people or acts or companies or things that you see these days. Go, yeah, I'll turn up on the day, I'll watch my clock, and then I'll click tick off, and then I'm yep. I'm yep. done. I'm out. I'm out of here. Or don't mention my name because it's you know wagering um but yeah i'll come for that little period of time and i think whilst there's still some announcements to come between now and um and the event with regards to ambassadors and influencers and all that type of thing i think that genuine authenticity that they like the event and they want to be part of the event it's not just turning up yeah um for the sake of it well they're going to do the the, the small performance um just before the the race there'll be the big after party performance which is going to be fantastic there's going to be that intimate set at the at the barrier draw launch as well, which yeah. is going to be really cool. We're going to get front row seat to that. We're one of the lucky ones. That'll be on TV as well, um, be broadcast. So, yeah, you're right. There's a real investment from the band, and and that feels like you're not just hiring someone to come and put a put a show on for you and entertain the masses. They're actually embedded in the into the fabric of the Eureka. Yeah, and it sets a benchmark, right? So you know, year one, and we've spoken about this before. We're going to make some blues. Yeah, things aren't going to go perfect. You know, we'll do our best and it'll be fantastic. There's no doubt about it. But we'll learn and then we'll get better and we'll refine and we'll build and you know, it'll be, um, you know, the inaugural will be awesome but it'll also only be a foundation. Yeah. You know, the rock stars in the human form, we need the rock stars in the horse form and we've got them. Um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Catch a Wave was the first horse, first horse to fill a slot. <laughs> it seemed like such a I long time, long time ago. I now, think Catch a Wave was after the Miracle Mile, and um, Daniel Cordina's slot took up the took up Catch a Wave. Um, fantastic announcement, incredible performance that night at the Miracle Mile. Uh, genuine rock star there. Throw in Captain Ravishing. We've seen Leap to Fame do incredible things for a long time, but certainly in the in the recent snapshot that we've seen there up in Queensland. Um, we're well familiar here in New South Wales with what my ultimate Ronnie's done through for a period of time uh, over the number of years. And then we, we've got Speak the Truth has, has come on board as well after winning the Hayden that you, you referenced before. So, um, And not to, not to forget the Lost Storm, which is... I think a bit of a wild card, a bit of a, like such a talented horse. We haven't seen a great deal of the Lost Storm in recent time. The Tab obviously know what they're doing, but I feel in that slot. So there's six horses, six genuine winning chances, six of the, the future of our sport. Well, not just the future, they are the current as well. So this horse has secured the best of the best already. Oh, exactly right. And what was really interesting, and you know, maybe everyone already knew it, um, and I had one particular executive member breathing down my... Um, neck in my ear with about uh, 600 to go and saying, speak the truth, too tough here, too tough, too tough. Like, yeah, Shodi's really tough. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't discount anyone on their night Yeah, at the moment. And, yeah, it's just a stellar, stellar year. The Lost Storm, I love that. Like, oh, I've been a fan of that horse since I first spied him at, um, at Melton. And, um, yeah, I'm sure I wasn't alone yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. on that particular night. But they've really taken a... Real interest, um, interest in him, and yeah, that three-year-old element. I just love it. Yeah, we've seen Leap to Fame be really here in New South Wales, Andrew. We talk about Menangle being a different beast. That it's such a long way home once you turn the corner. It's a long way home, and and it, and it can grind horses into the ground. And you got to be a you got to be a different horse, a different animal to win at Menangle. We've seen Leap to Fame do it, and we've seen Leap to Fame win in all these different conditions and track sizes and dimensions which i think makes leap to fame such a special horse i'm really really excited and, and intrigued to see how captain ravishing comes back because captain ravishing we thought was going to be the horse to beat through the miracle mile campaign and probably wasn't at his best gone away kind of i guess rehabbed to an extent and we're really excited to see what we're going to get out of captain ravishing well, I'm never going to train a horse, so it's not really my <laughs> it's not really my area at all. But I'm sure that they're just trying to find the keys to re- recapture that form and some of that special stuff that we've seen him do previously. And if he if he gets anywhere near that, then you know, again, he just adds such a quality to the event. It's no guarantees in racing, but it feels like we've got a special horse in our midst. With Leap to Fame, doesn't it? Uh, and and what, just, a, what a thrill that we've got Leap to Fame in our race in this race. I was just minding my own business at Albion Park um, on Saturday night. I went up there because obviously the Hayden was part of it. We had an executive meeting on the Saturday afternoon, but also Pete McMullen's heading off to um, the World Drivers' Championships and we did a presentation to him of his helmet and his colours. And I was just sort of you know, leaning on the on the parade ring rail as you do with your form guide in hand, although I didn't need to have it open because I knew who, who the horses were, etc. But the guy next to me sidled up and I don't know him for a bar of soap in case... Geez, a bit smaller than I thought he was going to be. What are you talking about? He goes, oh, leap to fame. I go, he goes, first time I've seen him in the flesh. I said, oh, is that right? He goes, yeah, I've yeah, been reading about him in the paper and me and all my mates here as he pointed into the grandstand. Um, yeah, we just come out to see what all the fuss is about. He goes, he's a beautiful... Like, this shows that there's you know, yeah. 
great job by Queensland, great job with the constellations. We all know that that's what they're doing. But um, we, we were talking earlier today, and, I, and and it's been hard to find that magnetism of a horse for for a while. And here yeah. it was, like just unfolding as I'm talking to this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, on Saturday night, and I thought Gee, that is special. It's almost like, the Winks really effect. Yeah. In, in harness racing, isn't it? Yeah. So let's hope that we can. St- get behind horses and support them to keep yeah. winning and not wait for them to fall over and yeah. say, we told you so. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah like, the rock star. Um, you know, that, that's, it. That, that's six of them we've named, but there's, there's so much excitement about what's to come. We, we know that an announcement's potentially imminent for, you know, what, what Aaron Bain at Summit Bloodstock. Yeah, that's obviously time's ticking, so an announcement's pending. Um, their Tasmanian Racing, they've got a great initiative. They're going to have the bow tied on the 5th of August. Yeah, named after one of their great horses, if not the greatest ever, to come out of Tasmania. Yeah, and so, they and they kicked off some reportages yeah. just uh, earlier this week on Sunday. So they've got a month's worth of build up and lead in, which again is great benefit to their industry. Yeah, you know, there's you know, additional races, additional race meetings, and we haven't even got into the Singo yet. Yeah, well, we got the Singo on the nineteenth of August. Of course, if you haven't listened to Singo's podcast, there's a bit of context that we published earlier in the week, uh, a bit of context around that race, one of the great characters and great storytellers and how good to have him back in, in our industry. As he said at the top of that podcast, he, well, I never left. I was just a punter originally. Now he's back as a, as, a, as a stakeholder in the event. Great to have him back. Yeah, and, you know, investing in a sport in a way that he might never have thought he was going to be in, investing again, as you said, in his involvement. But out of the Singo, essentially comes two new races. Yeah. You know, a $50,000 um, Singo that you know will be his selection tool for want of a better term, and a um and essentially a, a, a Eureka Consolation, a hundred thousand dollars stockade as Dave Watson. And the, and the emergencies for the Eureka are going to come out of that race. Yeah, so the top four f- performed horses not selected by yep. Singo. Yeah, so great opportunity. What a, what an in- that that's going to be intriguing on that. I think on the night of the Singo. Because obviously, you know, he's made it clear he's not necessarily going to win, you know, choose the winner of the Singo as his horse to represent him. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be fascinating how that happens, you know. And he said in that that um, that episode of the Sprint Lane that I did with him, you know, he's going to have people to help him out. And he and he's unashamedly, he's going to pick the minds of some of the great racing minds here in New South Wales. So, you know, S- Steve Turnbull's one that he mentioned, for example, he'd like to pick the brain off to get his opinion because he said best run might not necessarily be the winner like in our sport horses can get you know get blocked for a run or whatever and, and and miss out so he wants to make sure that he's not necessarily locked into that so that'll be what race three he's got till after race four to pick so it's going to be a little sideshow going on on the night i think it's going to be fascinating yeah it's brilliant so it's uh you know just just a great concept and yeah i liked his line um that you were able to, to, to extract from him that um, the way that he's looking at it, he'll have the form horse. Yeah. So, you know, while everyone else yeah. is running around and doing bits and pieces and, you know, maybe potentially beating each other up or whoever it is that he yeah. wants to frame it, um, you know, he'll have some horses that are up and about and hungry for the event. Well, so. ready to go. I mean, and that, I guess as a slot holder, that would have been an interesting concept for them to wrap their head around. You know, like, as we said, we, we saw Catch a Wave bit secured pretty early. Obviously, you know, Daniel Cordain is... Um, Slots said, we like what we see there. We're going to lock that one in. So it's a strategy. Do you go early and lock in what you think's the best horse, or do you wait till you know as late as possible and get something in form that is going to take a you know one form pattern through into the into the race? Look, it's a interesting way they've all approached it, and and there's no there's no formula to it. You know, you know, this is part. This is part of this 
fluidity of when people have been making their announcements because it was one of the risks at the start and we've had quite a few team talks as you can imagine like just having all the plot holders together to explain this is what we're doing this is how we're going can you make sure this happens just uh, keep the communication lines open so that we don't get in each other's way with announcements and you know we can stage these at a at at reasonable intervals but we haven't had to intervene in anything at this stage it's all just been unfolding you know really nicely with one step to the next step to the next step as we've gone through this and yeah as we sit here today i don't think we if we scripted it probably wouldn't have been able to do a better a better job with how it's just turned out organically so yeah. we've been very lucky and, and one we're super the last of those 10 slots we haven't mentioned the one we're super excited about here in new south wales is the western jewel slot wayne and julie loader great contributors to the racing industry particularly here in New South Wales, particularly in the western region of New South Wales, hence the name, the Western Jewel. They've got some great young horses in their stable. We're now intrigued. Do they go for one of their own? Do they look outside the bubble? One thing Wayne said, previous conversation was around, he's kind of committed to going for something in the western region if possible. Yeah. So we're yeah. fascinated to see what, what that looks like. But one of the great things they've done is they've they went out with a race book um, competition right through the – and only in the western western region tracks. Get your race book, fill in the form. They've given away a percentage of their slot. Like just wonderful contributors to the industry. Great old school approach too. I loved it. Yeah. 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 They'll, they'll, no, we're having a race book. You have a pen, you fill it in, you rip it out, and you put it in the barrel. <laughs> well, well, I tell you, there was excitement. Like, I was at a couple of those regional tracks. I, I remember being at Dubbo the night and, and standing there and talking about the Eureka on a microphone and as the as it was getting getting drawn. And, yeah, there was a bit of – I guess people were just getting to learn about the Eureka and getting to understand it, and you could feel that momentum build. And, you know, as people were like – Hang on, I'm, I'm a ch- if I just fill in this by a race book and fill in this form, I'm a chance of winning that. Sign me up. Yeah, it was a bit like that. Uh, but but you're right. Like Wayne seems totally committed to that region, and yeah, yeah it'd be it'd be a big surprise if he doesn't end up with something from from, well, from there. Yeah, you know, and there's some you know gun horses that haven't been snapped up. So um, you know we, we're we're going to see a, an absolute elite race. Um, you talked before about having come out of cricket and footy. Are there key learnings out of out of working in you know different because not different codes, are completely different sports. Key learnings out of working in admin roles that you you think have helped you coming over the equine industry. Yeah, it's a good question. I hadn't really thought about it um, in in those terms. My sort of history in sports administration had always been around sponsorship and events marketing. Um, you know, um, was the first brought membership to the Geelong Footy Club. Uh, you know, now everyone lives and dies on membership. But, yeah, you know, it was yeah. only Essendon and Geelong at that stage that were that, that, that were doing um, that were doing that. So I've learned some really important lessons I think over the uh, over the journey. But um, I don't know if it was my personality makeup or what it was, but I got sick of being uh, reliant on the weather and um, the footy or the result of the uh, of the match and thought I don't, how can I get into sort of more senior management roles um, which usually went to finance sort of types or um, those that were sort of more in the sort of risk and audit audit section. And things have changed a bit subsequent yep. to that. And so I, I was fortunate enough to be brought over to manage Mooney Valley and the Geelong Harness Racing Clubs as they were in Mooney, Mooney Valley. Obviously, it doesn't exist anymore, but it, when it was up and going, and um, that's how I sort of learnt the ropes of uh, of harness racing on the back of um, you know, being on the boards of international cricket competitions and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think I did learn a learn a lot from managing risk, collaboration, <laughs> uh, being able to, um, yeah, transparency 
as, as much as possible. Don't get carried away with with yourself or what you're doing because you know, sport is an unbelievable leveller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, so much of the time, there's very rarely fairy tales. So that's also why you know, I've always had this bit of mantra, particularly amongst staff and, um, and those that I work with, to celebrate the, the wins. Because too often, and particularly in this sport, I think everyone's working at capacity. And even if you do have a good win or a good result, and I'm talking about the industry participants here as well as administrators, you've moved on pretty quickly to the yeah. next to, to the next challenge. And yeah, I'm sort of not answering your question perfectly here at the moment, but one of the great things I really enjoy is going to awards functions at, at the different states. Because it's one of the few times when people seem to like sit back and relax and be able to celebrate each other's pat each other on the back for the performances because you know on the racetrack everyone's super competitive yeah, yeah. get it like that's that, oh, yeah, and you have to be comes and goes so quick and you and, on to the next thing and you have to be but you know what yeah. when you see people rubbing shoulders from all sections of new south wales an example from all regions that have had massive performances or little wins along the way but they're all celebrating congratulating each other at the same in the same venue at the same time it just really does bring home something that some of those major sports and having worked in you know two of the elite sports in this country could never deliver and i often recall and sometimes i speak at um at like careers days because my my career is being very interesting when you look at it compared to, to to lots of other people and i've been very lucky along that very lucky along that journey but I went from working in a sport where you're dealing with, uh, talking way out of school now, but you know, dealing with the wives and partners of people that wanted to have a daycare centre with floor-to-ceiling glass so they could watch their dad's work. <laughs> to I remember one of my first trips uh, when I was working at Harness Race in Victoria was to Oyen, and I was standing behind Karen Manning buying a hot dog and a can of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it seems Cash a bit owners. strange, but it's like... <laughs> These are my people. Like yeah, these are yeah, really, yeah. really genuine. Like you knew from the word go when you were dealing with superstars of the sport, some who were world champions, as Karen had been at that time and continue and continues to be. You go, yeah, I really like this. This feels really good, and hopefully, you can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. how cool it, you your two worlds have collided. Then getting Matt Hayden on board. In some yeah, we had a great capacity. chat. Oh. I, th- I thanked him for rekindling my um, faith and. Uh, love of test match cricket and it's not because of the Aussies I can assure anyone listening is it was because of what Pakistan's brought He's to done the a table bit of work as a, as a coach with Pakistan <coughs> hasn't he yeah, yeah and like um yeah I think he was a bit taken aback when when <laughs> so we were at the Hayden and he saddled up with his uh yeah. yeah bit of roast pork and uh, I want to talk about uh, the last day of England versus Pakistan and how it was just so great to see people playing sport because they love sport yep. and not if we don't win this, then my career's done or, you know, I'm going to be upset about this or, you know, I'm thinking about the IPL or whatever else. And, yeah, I'm not going to get political in it in terms of the, the cricket sphere. But it's, um, yeah, it's just you could see it through the tally that people – um, it's got this weird thing that I love people – seeing people have fun. I love, like, helping out with junior sport. Yep. Coaching, yeah, it's so malleable and they're just loving it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't yep. matter the result half the time. Our industry – <clears throat> is really interesting that way, and which is why I love going to the trials. There's more stories out of the trials than there is out of, ra- out of race day. Everyone's gone there with a little plan. What did you? I'd love to interview everyone at the end of the trials and go, how'd it go for you tonight? Like, this is what we're trying to do. This is how it went. This is what we're building for. This is what we're, what we're doing. Well, and, uh, one of the things we love doing on this podcast is exposing success and, and, and milestone moments for people. And, you know, and Freddie and Jess and myself often say, you know, it might be that hobby trainer who's picked up their, their first win or their first one for the season or their first one in a long, long time or whatever. I'm like, okay, 
that's one win. You know, I might be a, a maiden at Parks on a, <laughs> on, a, on a Tuesday night or something. That's not winning the Inner Dominion for those people. As we said, it doesn't matter. The magnitude of the race, winning races, is, is, can be the same feeling across the board. The, the buzz and the excitement and the adrenaline of actually having a stake in winning that race, you know, and, and it could be the Inner Dominion as opposed to that, that maiden at Parks on a Tuesday night, as we said. We love being able to expose that at that grassroots level. My wife has a small share in horse that won a stall on Sunday. Yeah. And one of the greatest thrills she got was Danny Zavitano sending her a, a, a message to say, well done on your horse yeah. winning. It's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Mind you, yeah. he sent her a text the week before, that's only only 500. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, emotions. Yeah, and, and Danny is a great guy because, for well, everyone knows he's a great guy, but I, I'd never met him until a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he's got that enthusiasm and that love of the sport that he just wants to be everyone's friend. Yep. And he is everyone's friend. Like yep. He's um, he's going to be a great slot holder for this event and you know, a great custodian of this event. But, yeah, little wins are big wins. And you know, sometimes people, like you, you never know the full story behind a horse, the trials and tribulations, the nursing horses back to health, the overcoming injuries. Talking with, um, oh, I'll just go, come out and say this talk talking with Deborah Moss about something not all that long ago, and she might be well-known to some of these listeners, but, you know, she she doesn't necessarily win out of turn, but she's doing a great, been doing a great job with a couple of trotters down there. She was sharing with me how much it means for her family, for her daughter, you know, these um, these emotions that horses and people and those stories can um, yeah. can, can bring. And, you know, the Eureka's one end, we'll get that, but we think it's still important for the narrative and for the dream, and there will be lots of people that will have connections to horses that will participate in this event over the years that would never have dreamed of having a horse yep. in such a um, such esteemed company. But it's part of the industry that is still getting a horse to the trials, naming the horse, working out what your colours are going to be. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and then the year it could become something to strive for. Hey, um, just early, you mentioned Yagara earlier, and you talked about the you know, what, what that area had been through recently and you some stories. But Harness Racing Australia has got a, an oversight of a national snapshot and, and the harness racing industry has felt the brunt of weather patterns, particularly here in New South Wales. Um, can you just touch on what oversight that looks like? I mean, because I know the states here, at, like at Harness Racing New South Wales, we've certainly had the sleeves rolled up and helped out these areas and we've gone in and somewhere like Yagara, we had a special race day to try and... You know, stimulate awareness, put some smiles on faces, raise a bit of cash. But what's the Harness Racing Australia mandate when it comes to stuff like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question because there's some things like that that we can only add support to or yeah. we can uh, be a voice or a part of the communication tool. So you know, there's very little that we can do on the ground yep. um, to, to make people's lives easier other than you know, have an ear to support. But previously through different activities, we've found ways to try and uh, generate feed um, to uh, work with pet stock as we have in the past and the, you know, cheerio um, to David Young who's just finished up down at, um, at at the Ballarat Trotting Club for some of the help that he's been able to give us over the journey. So if there's practical ways or logistical ways or operational ways that we can we can help, we will. And we're often on the front foot trying to talk with yeah. you know who's a CEO in the state or um, you know what what help we can um, what help we can we can give. Sometimes it's not much yeah. um, at all. But, you but when are. we do come to the fore is I think in areas like we're, we're dealing with the situation in Victoria at the moment with regard to horses that are that um, you know are, are dying quickly. Yeah. No one really knows how or why. So 
that's a role that we play in terms of, you know, if it ends up being a disease incursion, then we play a really significant role, as we did through equine influenza, to protect the industry from, you know, disease, but then also try and ensure that, um, you know, from an economic standpoint, that people have been looked after in a wellbeing perspective after as well. So it sort of depends on the, depends on the issue, depends on the yeah, time, and yeah, it depends sure. on how wide how widespread um but we've all got we've all got really important roles to play there and i think one of the areas that we've been working on a lot and it doesn't happen overnight but and, and it's it still does bring a, probably a bit of an administrative bane to some people's day but you know the traceability of horses the welfare of horses and being able to work in that space and ensure that you know our social licenses operate and our respecting that space by all levels of government is understood and that um, yeah, our industry does a really great job in this in this space. So, yeah, we can only provide some of the tools or the environment. It's really up to the participants to to follow through, which they have in spades. And you know, we've, um, you know, had twelve years of hard yards at, at getting to the point where you know we're now respected as the best in the world as far yeah. as um, you know, the, those parts of the, uh, of the business is is concerned. So, some of it's also that risk analysis and being able to insulate the industry from what's coming. Um, so. A lot of the times, if it if it has an impact on the industry, it's because we've been able to, to put a good shepherd or a bump in the right place at the right yeah. time to to stop stop things from happening. So okay. it can be two way street. Um, previous role before we started in this one. So you've been doing this one for fifteen years now. Yes, I'm yeah. saying that's a long time. It is a long time. Yeah. Racing, um, so you're at Racing Queensland. EI <coughs> happened on your. Yeah, for well, I wouldn't say on my watch. Well, it happened whilst watch. I was there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, look, that's right. So um, that was. Yeah, I was, I was there from September 06 to September 08, and during that time, it was a really difficult time yeah. for that industry up there, actually. We had a couple of track closures, um, Rockhampton and Mackay were going, you know, so there was a bit of a right-sizing or a traditional, uh, transitional time for the um, for, for the industry there. And, um, yeah, equine influenza, like, you know, to be the only country in the world that's ever been able to put together the wherewithal to, to actually eradicate it, and we are a big, big country. Yeah. Um, was um was outstanding in a lot of hard yards by a lot by a lot of people, including the industry again, you know, getting behind understanding what it is that needed to and make that happen. So I had a couple of really excellent years there. Um and yeah, uh, lo- a lot of good people still in Queensland and doing some great uh, so, some great things. And then if I go back in time from that, I uh, worked at Harness Racing Victoria. I mentioned that you know the Geelong being secretary of the Geelong Club and then which is still my home club because I live in Torquay, which isn't you know, that's my closest track. Yep. Um at Mooney Valley, and who would have thought that there was a person that was able to run 104 race meetings a year and 26 trials or whatever, and you had to do it on your own? Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Cool, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you end up from from RQ, you end up in this job. Yep, 15 years now, mate. I, I reckon in 2008 when you took it on, something like the Eureka was, was wasn't even a thought bubble. No, it wasn't, and it was very much like harness racing Australia at that time was you know sort of like stay in your lane and. That that's fine if that's what the members wanted us to do, then yeah we we would have done that. But a lot of people make the point: Gee, you've been there a long time, but we've always been through going through a massive change. And our industry, whilst they loved they love to ask for change, change is very difficult yeah. um, to to introduce. But you know, if I go back in time, there's not much that hasn't been totally transformed. Um, over that period of time, yep. the identification of horses, the rating system, dare I say it, you know, but in terms of the, 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 the structure of that welfare, as I mentioned before, which has been a, a consistent topic all the way through, our relationships with overseas jurisdictions and being able to 
um, particularly export product to those places. And some people might have caught um, some of um, Brittany Graham's interview with Alex Dorian from Yonkers, and it was like 2010 that he and I got our heads together and actually brought the first US races to Australia right. uh, from the Meadowlands. And now that's probably worth you know, $5 million net revenue to the industry um, per annum. So there's, yeah, it's, it's been a, um, like I love it, you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it. You, you can't work in this <laughs> industry if you don't. If you don't love it, there's um, you know there's lots of headbutts yeah. along the way, um, as you'd be familiar. But as long as you think that you're making a difference and the, the executive are happy for me to continue to to work on the major projects and the members, which you know we're a member-based organisation, are, are comfortable with the direction that we're going. We're really in their hands, and yeah, uh, um, it, there's not much of this industry that actually hasn't changed too yeah. much over that period yeah. of time. So we get to the Eureka, mate. The the week of the race is going to be fantastic. So it's it's all that that build up to it. What when you look back, when we get past the second of September, and as you said, it's not just the second of September and the build up. It's three years is the event. When we get through it all, what do you want to back? What's the legacy of this event? Oh, there's there's a few of them because there's not one market that we're trying to appeal to through through this. But let's start with what we're about: horses and the race. I hope this is a race of a generation, and I know it's the first running of it. But I just get the feeling. And I know, you know, how many times we say this is the best crop of three-year-olds we've seen for a, for a long time or whatever. I genuinely think this is going to be one of the great races not to be not to be missed. And and I hope whoever wins it is being talked about it in the same way that people reminisce about Christian Cullen and that era of horse that we're able to capture that imagination to that, to that point. I think we're a real chance of being able to do that. And I met with Kevin Seymour about a few things last week and we we're rolling through some things and... I just thought I had to thank him for his generosity of spirit for sharing the horse with us as well. And I mean that for all Mm. the connections of the horses um, that are going to participate in this event. Because it's a big thing for them as well to, you know, be concerned about their horse, what's going to happen, the whole lead up to it, how their their preparation's happening, all that. It's not a one-off thing as as um, as you mentioned. But I also hope that the people who attend the event, the event goers, the tie kickers and all that sort of stuff, I hope they have a great night. But I hope our rusted on participants who come out to Menangle on that night and see the, the presentation of a race meeting and a particular race in a way that makes them feel totally, you know, filled with pride in themselves is a is something that they take home and go, yeah, now I get it. Get what this was, what they've been banging on about yeah. um, with bringing this event to the, uh, this event to the table. And I hope the slot holders have a have an experience that is beyond their wildest dreams, regardless of where they finish, and that they are, you know, our champions of the future for as long as they can be involved in the in the sport and investing in it in ways that are not just eureka bound. That they're investing in all the other yeah. other ways that we spoke of earlier. So there's a there's a fair few components to it, but I can't help but wanting to feel like if I was drawing the personality of of our greatest fan who just loves the racing being able to see that that racing's been elevated to a point that you know is almost not beyond their wildest dreams but a way in which they they feel really really comfortable about what's been done yeah i mean and you and i are privy to all the stuff that's going on obviously and we're super excited and, and there's announcements that are going to be rolled out where we go we just can't wait to tell people what's what's coming and can't wait to see this executed and you know and, and all these little milestone moments you know continue to raise the hype and i i just love you know i loved when birds of tokyo were announced on Friday, seeing what the what the threads on social media look like, and people saying, "Hey, this is wow! You know, this is great." 
you know, this is a good get. How good's this going to be? Can't wait. Book my ticket. You know, look, we have fantasy harness racing here in New South Wales, and we've given away uh, to the top 10. The season's finished after 25 weeks, and the top 10 all getting um, double VIP hospitality experience to the Eureka. And, you know, our, our main prize getter won the car. Well, the people who came tent to are getting that VIP hospitality. I don't think they've won the car because <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah. going to go to Eureka. Like it's a, you know, it's going to be a great night, and that that's the way this thing is continue to build hype and momentum. So, can't wait, mate. But it, just it, on that, yeah. Buy your tickets. We have yeah, to. That's probably a message we need to uh, make sure everyone is aware of. So, yeah, it's free entry. Or there's some great dining packages available as well. Don't get me wrong, but. If you just want to go as a punter and, and stand in the crowd, you still have to register to get a ticket. Secure your spot. Yeah, secure yeah. your slot. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Expressive interest will be taken up until yeah, later. Yeah. Just jump in now. Like, find a way. You know, re- reserve your place so you so that you're settled and you're not running around on the afternoon trying to work out who you know that might be able to grab a ticket for. It's just not going to happen with the restrictions that are, yeah, that are in place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's going to be fantastic. 2nd of September is the, the inaugural running of the Tab Eureka, as Andrew said. And you know, we've been saying it's it's a three-year three year event. This is this is episode one, really. Yeah, <laughs> Thinking true. about it like some some Netflix trilogy. Um, it is going to be fantastic, as we've said. The announcements are already rolling out um, thick and fast. We've we've so far announced six of the horses, four more to come. Pageantry to go around, you know, the event itself and how these the the other four horses are all selected. Super exciting. You're a busy man, mate. I really appreciate you giving up your time to, you know, I guess, to give an update and some level of insight into how this has all been unpacked. I hope it elevates the excitement for certainly our listeners and the, and the broader racing community. Yeah, I hope people have been able to get a bit of a behind-the-scenes look into it and, um, yeah, understand that this is only successful if we were, if you know, when everyone plays their role. Yep. Well, Andrew Kelly, the CEO of Harness Racing Australia, great to have your time on this special episode of the Sprint Lane, of course, part of our Tab Eureka series. We'll have more episodes with people in and around the Tab Eureka as we continue the build-up uh, to this wonderful event, which is going to take place at Tab Court Park Menangle on the 2nd of September. Thanks for listening. If you get a chance to share, like, or uh, tell people about the Sprint Lane podcast and you know raise our listenership, that would be super appreciated. I thank you for your time listening to this one. We'll catch you next time. 